Welcome to Better Health in the Borderland, a podcast that focuses on health and well-being throughout the Borderland region. According to national statistics, more than 250,000 women will be diagnosed with breast cancer this year alone. Hi, my name is Saramida. I got inspired to get a mammogram for, for me, uh, for, for myself, for my family, for my peace of mind, and also because I heard of a of my friend's wife that um, she missed getting her mammogram done during the pandemic. And the following year that she she went to get one done, they found cancer. They found some lumps and they were cancerous. Hi, my name is Yvonne and I decided to get my first mammogram because in 2001, a physician found a suspicious lump on my left breast. My name is Amy. I was inspired to get a mammogram um, because one of my best friends got breast cancer um, fairly early in her 40s. And had she got a mammogram earlier when she felt the lumps, when she felt something, it could have prevented her from being where she is right now. So I did it for preventive care and for my peace of mind of knowing that I am safe and healthy. Hi, my name is Maria. My grandmother died of breast cancer. I do it to protect my family from having to take care of me if I were to get breast cancer. I know what breast cancer did to to my mother, so I make sure that I'm checked every year so that I they don't have to go through that again. Hi, my name is Laura. I think I got my first mammogram because of my long history in the family of cancers in different parts of the body. Hi, my name is Lorena. My cousin at a very young age, she was in her 30s, was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I know that it's really important to be proactive when it comes to things like mammograms because early detection can make a big difference. So that's what really inspired me to make sure to go and get it taken care of. Hi, my name is Sheila. Well, I was at the appropriate age, I believe I was 40, and I know that my other friends, my other girlfriends were encouraging me to do that. I was very hesitant, very scared of it, Um, but I also have two young daughters, and so I wanted to do the right thing, and I went through it, and everything came out okay. Hi, my name is Tina. I think it's important for preventative health and for some peace of mind. Hi, my name is Deborah. My mom had cancer, it runs in my family, and I am of age already, so I thought I would go get a mammogram in case anything was wrong, I could catch it in time. Hi, my name is Monica. Every woman should do it over the age of 35 everyone or 40. Everybody needs to take care of themselves. Hi, my name is Linda. It's important, and we all need one, and some of us don't get it and still need one. Hi, my name is Terry. Well, I decided to get my first mammogram because it's important to know where you're at. So I've been getting mammograms since I was 40 years old every year. These El Paso women decided to have their mammogram accomplished. Some of them had it done when they were 40, while others had it done, well, a little later. But what they all have in common is that they now have peace of mind that their first mammogram is long behind them. Starla Warren is another El Paso woman who put off getting her mammogram. She's a third-degree black belt, but she's in for the fight of her life. She has stage four cancer, and it is throughout her body. We begin with Starla. 
I'm a martial artist. I'm a third degree black belt. And so in sparring, I got kicked. So I, a couple of days later, I found a lump. And then like they say, one in eight, one in eight women will be diagnosed. I did not do early early treatments. I did not do my, my mammograms like I should have. I did not take care of myself like I should have. If I would have, maybe I would have been one of those people who were diagnosed very, very early and it wouldn't be at stage four. And I wouldn't financially and emotionally be going through everything I'm going through. Mm-hmm. And one in eight are going to be diagnosed. Mm-hmm. So for me, I was like, okay, if I need to be the one in eight, great. I'd rather me be my youngest daughter, my daughter who just had her, you know, her third child, my mom who's 70 something at the time, my sister who had just had her first grandchild. My nieces, no, give it to me. I'll I'll take it. I'll take it on. I've lived an amazing life. I'll take this on. But, you know, they just kept reminding me, you got, we need you. The minute you tell your body you're done and I can't do this, then your body goes, okay, I'm done. I can't do this. So you need to continually, continually build yourself up, continually tell yourself you got this. You know, you can do this. But you know your body and something wasn't right. So I went and asked him to go ahead and do the biopsy and see what was going on. They just found the one tumor. So it was supposed to be a little bit of radiation, some surgery, in and out, done. And then after two days of probing, then they found out it was stage four. And at stage four is when it has passed past the original tumor into the rest of the body. It was like normal, like everybody else is constantly on the go, constantly running, planning two, three years out, things, vacations, things you were going to do, exciting, you know, just living life like it was never going to end, like it was always going to continue on. Because I went in for the um, biopsy and then it came back where it was cancer and then they had only found the one tumor. And then so they sent me back in to have a full body scan from head to toe, poked, probed and everything for like three days solid and right. then back to the doctors and that's when I went back and that's when they were like it's 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 worse than we thought it was and then that's when it affected the family the worst and the very first person I called was my daughter to tell both of them I had them both on the phone at the same time and told them to meet me at the house ha- at the house um I didn't have anybody really I could call just to stay over the phone because I didn't want to panic anybody so um, I had them meet me at the house and we sat down and was like family meeting. This is what I'm going on. This is what I'm being told. And um, we have and I didn't really have the true knowledge because the surgeon wouldn't tell me anything. It was when I went to the oncologist that I made them go with me because they would be the one if I need caregiving. They would have been the one if I needed something done. If my will needed to be written, they were the ones who were going to have to deal with it. And so I had my two daughters by my side the entire time. Mm hmm. And what, what were their initial reactions? Um, again, same thing, disbelief, because I was still working full time. I was still doing what I needed to do, still doing my martial arts, still doing everything that I had done in the beginning. I was still doing. So they, I think we were all kind of hoping it was a misdiagnose, that it wasn't as serious as it sounded like it was. And so it was it was hard. It was devastating. Lots of crying. They were very supportive in front of me and didn't show their fears in front of me. It wasn't until later on that I learned what they kind of went through. And I've luckily always been the type who's like, you know what? What can we do? There's too much modern technology to to say this is it. So what can we do? And then but when they came back and were like, it's way worse than we thought. 
we need to send you now from just a surgeon to an oncologist. That's when it got serious. Kimberly Lerma works in the UMC Infusion Center, where more than 30,000 patients are battling the disease every year. And many of them are in the same situation as Starla. They're scared. They um, don't know what's going to happen to them. It makes me sad to see patients like that. My mother died of leukemia. She went through two stages of chemo. So it's, I mean, very heart-wrenching. I mean, sad to see patients go through chemo. My advice, if you ever do get cancer, is to um, have a positive attitude toward the outcome. That has a lot to do with it. They tend to fight it better. It was extremely frightening. Um, A lot of crying, a lot of cussing, a lot of praying all in one breath. Um, I'm in a unique situation where I had no one to turn to. I have no cancer that runs in my family. So it was the first one. Um, Just a lot of self-awareness, a lot of there's got to be something else. There's got there's got to be something. I felt good. If you knew me and you've met me before, you wouldn't know I have stage four. I am an eight-year survivor of stage four breast cancer, still going through treatments. And just looking at me, you would never know that unless I told you. Mm -hmm. So I kept kind of, I guess, denying it and not really wanting to face it. But knowing that, you know, this may not continue on. And my youngest grandchild at the time was just barely a year. So I think I surrounded myself by other items and other things because I had no one to talk to. I had no support system on that side. I had support system, like you said, as far as my family, but there was no one for me to turn to even here with the hospital because there was nobody else who was stage four. I mean, this will be with me forever. I'm an outgoing person. I'm a very, I'll talk to anybody about anything. Yes, I'm very outgoing. So I didn't think it was going to bother me. I was like, I'll go get this wig. I'll wear purple this day, green this day and everything else. And I honestly didn't think it was going to bother me. But when it came down to it, it really did. It really affected me a lot. And then it was during the summer. So the wigs were hot and they were itchy. And then, you know, I felt like that's all everybody ever saw were just the wigs. They didn't see me anymore and no one even noticed it was hilarious but you don't think that and then um that was pretty devastating but I got through the chemo um about three months later I went ahead and had um a hysterectomy so that it wouldn't have any chances of going um south I guess is the best way to say it yeah (laughs) I'm glad that I'm here that I can talk to other people and no, no subjects off the table, you know, like hair growing back. It's crazy how long it's taken. I thought that within three months, my hair would be back. It's taken three years. Um, still don't have eyebrows or eyelashes very much. Um, you know, things like that, because I, I meet these young ladies and we're unfortunately, I think they're embarrassed by it. And I didn't have that person to turn to. Um, I've met several women who feel like they're the the mother of the family and they have to take care of everything and they can't let their family members know because they can't be seen weak and they don't want to talk about it. They're um, embarrassed to tell their family members. They don't want the sympathy. They don't want to look like they're weak. And, you know, I've, I've met women who literally... Ryan, have stage one, literally will go in, have surgery, probably not even have to do radiation, 
you know, they will keep you on some medicines, different types, depending on your individual case, but like three years, but it's just a pill. You don't have to do anything else. And then you're cleared and they're scared. And I'm like, girl, I'm stage four. Look at me as your inspiration. You've got this, but they don't want, you know, some of them have really young kids. Some of them take care of their mothers and some of them, they're like, my family depends on me. I, I, I don't have time for this to happen. So they don't have time to take for themselves. It doesn't always have to circle around cancer. There's other things. Remind them there's a life out there to keep living. And that's what my daughters did for me. They didn't allow me to to mope. They didn't allow me to let my body give up. They didn't allow me that chance to go for me. Now that I've gone through everything I've gone through, if the cancer is going to come up, it's in my bones. That's where it's going to start um, producing more out because mine happens to be an estrogen base. And so all my blockers are all estrogen based. So they don't believe that it'll come back up into the breast in any form or fashion, that it's going to be more towards like the lungs or the, yes, the lungs or, or the bones or, or another part. Starla really hopes the future will be positive, but she can't help having regret about choices and tests not taken. For those who have never had a mammogram before and don't have any history, I'm your example. I never had, and no one in my family in generations ever had it. And I was the one who started this. So yay me. So go get those mammograms anyway, because I'm telling you, um, at the time when I first got diagnosed, I was working for the government, but I was a contractor and didn't have the leave. So there's several times I had to go pay without, you know, leave without pay. So financially, you know, if I'd known now what I know then, oh, I would have had mammograms since day one when I was first starting, you know, what is it, age 30? I would have been in there constant. I would have gotten them done annually like I should have. So use me as your example and just go because it's better to know than not know. And you get to the point where you are looking at, well, I only have six months. What am I going to do? Or like the young lady who had less than a year and she left a family behind. Go get knowledge so that you're, get educated, get educated. Do your own research. Don't talk to Dr. Google. He had, (laughs) he will not tell you good things. Go get educated from people who know. So go get your mammograms done. Go get your pap smears done. Go get yourself taken care of so that you take care of yourself so that you don't have to have other people taking care of you. You don't have an 18-year-old who's got to hold your hair while you're throwing up from chemo or who's trying to fly on your funeral out because she hasn't even finished her own life. You go take care of you first so that you know you're good to go. For a woman who's just found out, get educated. Find out what it is. Find out what your options are. We are too far into society where there's not choices. We have choices. Take control. You are not alone. You are not alone. One in eight, one in eight women. Remember that you're one. And then somewhere down the road's getting eight, seven more. There'll be another one, mm-hmm. seven more. There'll be. So you're not alone. No one's alone in this. You may think you are. You may feel you are. And no one understands what you're going through. And I probably won't don't understand exactly what your situation is, but I completely get where you're going at. And there's several people who do. Mm-hmm. So you're not alone. Just stop and go, you know what? Several people have survived this. Some have been taken. And those are the ones we pray for. But as long as we're here, find somebody. Don't do it alone. Yeah. And just, uh, I guess, hope women hear this. And, and if they haven't already, get a mammogram. 
Yes, get your pap smears. Take care of you. Don't depend on somebody else to, and don't take your family history as as granted. Don't don't hold it. And then if you do have somebody who's had cancer in in your family, and that's why you're afraid to go get this done because you don't. Again, I'm telling you, stage four financially and, and emotionally. Psh, if I'd have known eight years ago, seven years, ago, you know, ten years ago, I would have definitely had these done. Diagnosis yeah. is I live today and we worry about tomorrow, tomorrow, because you just never know. And there, I don't have an expiration date stamped anywhere on me that I'm aware of. So we're hey. just going to keep kicking it. <laughs> Our thanks go to all of the women who shared the many reasons why getting a mammogram is so important. Our special thanks go to Starla Warren, who shared her journey and her battle to one day defeat cancer. This has been an episode of Better Health in the Borderland, a production of University Medical Center of El Paso. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode and story about issues of health that affect our community, our El Paso, and our borderland.